the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When you find yourself seriously grappling with some of the truths in Scripture, you run across some of those passages that are really tough to grab a hold of. We've got one such passage before us next, here on Abounding Grace. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org, this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Welcome to our program today. We're continuing our journey through Romans. And today's message has us right in the middle of chapter 9, verses 8 through 24. It's a look at God's sovereignty, and if we're honest with ourselves, it is one of those passages that most of us really struggle with. It brings too much sovereignty, quote-unquote, to God, strips us and our abilities more than we're comfortable with. But we'll talk about that as the Apostle Paul deals with it in a wonderful fashion, silent before God's sovereignty. Here's Pastor Gary in today's Abounding Grace. Silent before God's sovereignty. None of us like to be told, shut your mouth. I had to be told that a lot growing up. Why? Because I I talked a lot. And I can remember hearing a lot, Gary, be quiet, keep your mouth closed, stop talking. But you know, that's our problem. In the garden, we didn't keep our mouths shut before God's majesty. We thought we were debaters with God, so we plunged everything into ruin. The West today, we didn't keep our mouths shut before our law, our philosophy, our science, our civil government, and we have created an inferno. The occult, tyranny, perversity, and as you all know, it's pretty bad. Parents, when they were younger, didn't keep their mouths shut before the fifth commandment, honor thy mother and thy father. And now their children can't keep their mouth shut before the fifth commandment. So we have homes that are war zones of competing wills, parents that don't know what to do about it and are frustrated and there's bitterness galore. But what is the point here? The first step of true piety is when God says, something, and we are quiet. Adore him, listen to him, learn from him. If you don't understand it, if you don't understand how it could be possibly true, still keep your mouth shut. Listen to him. Adore God and pray for understanding, and particularly when we come to verses like these today. If we don't, with Job, put our hand upon our mouth, 
We will drive ourselves mad or come up with all kinds of useless questions that will do us no good. But if we will listen to what he has said, faith will find some very useful food to chew on, not the least of which is good, heavy dose of humility before God's majesty. Now, unbelieving men, picking up with verse 19, hearing that God has mercy on whom he will and hardens whom he will, that he raised up Pharaoh purely to cast him down, to show his power, they are going to say, now, wait a minute. We've got to find some fig leaves here, something to hide before God's majesty. So let's just throw a couple of bombs out at God. That's the last hole that we can hide in. So let's launch some missiles at God. And what are those missiles? One, why does God find fault with men then? I mean, if he made us like this, and the only way we can be different is if he gives us mercy, and yet he doesn't give mercy to all, then why in the world or how in the world can God find fault for what they are when they can't be other than they are? Did you follow that? So it's God's fault that the world is like it is because he didn't give mercy to everyone. He should have made us better than he did, right? And of course, the second bomb is right there along with it. We have resisted his will. Some of the cleverest missiles of the evil one have some truth in them. No one can resist God's will. Of course, so then it's God's fault. Men would willingly go to hell if they knew that they could turn God into a tyrant along their way, victimize themselves, and if nothing else, throughout all eternity, they could just chew on their self-pity. They could chew on this evil God and say, I would rather be in hell than to be with such a monster. But, of course, God's righteousness just dashes all those delusions. Paul begins in his answer in verse 20. But before he does, he says, shut your mouth. He says, men, who are you to make an objection, any objection? The verb here means to contradict, to answer against. But our audacity is perverse. We are, going, are we going to answer against God? Man is going to try and make some defense as to why this is God's fault, not ours, and why he must be held accountable. And of course, we have institutionalized this since the Enlightenment, that God's word cannot be trusted. And it is so unimportant that we don't even want to talk about God's word today. There is very little doctrinal discussion even within the church if you want to believe doctrine and go to some little rinky dink church where they actually read and preach through scripture fine but don't get in the way of God and my feelings and my journey and me wanting it like I want it oh beloved truth has fallen down in the streets as Isaiah has said what is Paul's answer 
First of all, he says, God made you. Paul goes back to the very beginning. God created us in his image. He made us upright. And therefore, the basic building block of a biblical attitude on life is, he has the right to do by us and for us whatever in his holy and his goodwill he determines. We have no right to haul him into our kangaroo courts and ask that he defend himself against our faulty ideas of justice. No, we need to be silent against God's word and to put our hand upon our mouth and to recognize that God made us. And beloved, that is the end of it. And therefore we cannot reply. Therefore we cannot contradict. Therefore we are not right God is right and we are always wrong. Just get that into your head. Whenever we have objections against God, He's always right. We are always wrong. Always, always, always. Whenever you look at your life and you say, this isn't fair. Oh, it is always, always, always more than fair. We always deserve worse than what God sends to us. So don't reply against him. Remember that he has made us. And his will determines reality, not ours. So peace is restored to us. Calm is restored to our soul when we get down to this basic, basic idea. God is in control. He is the sovereign. And his will is perfect. All the blame for all the misery is mine and yours. And we are never going to reverence him as we should unless we give his word that chief place and say, Lord, you teach us. We're going to be silent. Now in verse 21, he gives us an analogy from Isaiah 64, or it could even come from Jeremiah 18 which in both passages God says, I'm the potter, you're the clay. So I can make of you what I want to make of you. What does a potter do? He takes a lump of clay and sometimes makes a beautiful vase and a bowl. From another lump of clay, he says, like they did in the old days, I'm going to make you a chamber pot. I think most of you know what that is. Or I'm going to make you a trash receptacle. It is the potter's right to make what he wants out of his clay. So how do we apply this to God? Well, someone might say, boy, that's pretty rough. Unless we remember something. That whole lump of clay is fallen. The whole lump of clay is fallen and it deserves God's judgment. We had left our place entirely and had broken the mold of God's image in us by our rebellion. So we must recognize God is right to do with us, by us, and for us whatever in his wisdom he determines to do. Those who receive mercy can only claim grace. 
Those who receive wrath can only claim it is perfectly righteous. Now, this is very humbling to hear us talk about it like this, especially since fall fashion shows are in bloom. You know, we're all good. We're okay. You need to buy this and you need to have that and feel good about yourself. And all of these lies, pretending, men do, pretending that men do to hide our dependency upon God. We hide behind our sophisticated technology. And remember, much we, we would rage against this, however much we would rage against this, it is one of the basics of true Christianity, which is that God is sovereign, and He does by us, in us, and for us, whatever He will. We are not the good, self-determining, noble creatures that we're often told. No, we have fallen. We have rebelled. We are shattered. So it is deeply humbling to embrace this message of God's sovereignty and that He is right to make us into whatever He pleases to make us. But if we deny that, we're only going to create mental, familial, societal imbalance, frustration, rebellion, and psychosis. I'm fully persuaded that one of the reasons there are so many illnesses in Western nations, one of the reasons so many people have to take drugs in order to cope, is that there is hanging over all Western nations that once had the gospel, the incredible guilt that comes about by denying truth that we once professed, that we still know to be true. But by trying to run from God's sovereignty over us and not falling before Him and praying to Him and confessing our need upon Him, He judges us and we become imbalanced. We do not know ourselves correctly, my friends. And it's very difficult to live a healthy 70, 80, even 50 or 40 years, all the while believing a lie about ourselves. It affects your whole makeup, mental, spiritual, emotional, everything. So Paul here just goes right to it. I'm going to try and answer your question. I'm going to tell you this. You are wrong about yourself, he says. You are wrong about the meaning of life. You are wrong about the purpose of your existence. It is not to find yourself. It is not to be liberated from social conventions. It is not to live alone in your mountaintop retreat where you can merely think your own thoughts. That is not the purpose. It is not to consume yourself with pleasure or satisfy every nerve impulse that comes your way. Your purpose is to be formed by God to suit His purposes. Your purposes at one level are irrelevant. And the Christian hears this. And he doesn't think, well, then there's no purpose for my existence. No, he says, oh, no, no. The equal signs goes somewhere else. It goes too well. That must mean God is the purpose of my existence. And if he is the purpose of my existence, I can let go. I can confess my sinfulness. I can be humbled before God's majesty. I don't have to pretend any longer. 
I no longer have to wear a mask. Nor can I be surprised if God brings trouble or hardship into my life. Because I know I am His. He formed me. I sinned. I rebelled against Him. So He is going to bring chastisement into my life. He is going to bring struggles into my life. My life is not going to be a fairy tale. It's not going to be easy. Some of us, He wants us to live with pain our entire lives. Some of us, He wants us to live with difficult marriages our entire lives. Some of us, He wants our children to eat our heart out. But it's okay as long as I remember that my life is not my own. That it is God who is the master craftsman, not me, not Americans, not the civil government, not the educators, not the scientists, not the entertainers. They are all just blind moles to a man. There is only one master craftsman in this universe, and it is the living God. And he does with us, by us, and for us, and to us, whatever he has determined to do. And as believers, those who appreciate that he has adopted us into his family and laid our filth upon the Lord Jesus, we don't look at this and say, boy, me no God. No, we say, thank you for delivering me from the delusion that I am my own captain. Thank you for delivering me from the delusion that life should be on my terms. That is what makes some quite miserable. Because they want to try and form and work their lives so it will be on their own terms. But we live in God's world, do we not? So it will never be. So men are continually butting their heads up against the majesty of God who thwarts the wicked, causes the wicked to fall into the pit that they dug for the righteous and haunts them with guilt. They say, let's reform sexuality. Let's reform the family. Okay, have AIDS. Have a return of gonorrhea and syphilis with a vengeance. Okay, have your 12-year-old girls getting pregnant. Okay, tell little girls they're really boys and little boys that they're really girls. And then raise them as if they really are. Okay. God says, you really want to do this? You are going to run into me if you do, because you cannot escape, O oh man, O oh United States, O oh Europe, or Africa. You cannot escape. I am the potter. And you are in my hands. And notice what God does with these two lumps. Now, verses 22 and 23, they are just one sentence, actually. The grammar is not the easiest in the world, but the point is quite clear. One of the lumps, and this lump can't complain of injustice, because, by the way, we all deserve to be in this lump. In fact, let me say it another way. If you want to talk about deserving, there doesn't deserve to be a verse 23. All we deserve is verse 22. That's it. What is it that Paul says in verse 22? What if God? And by the way, what if doesn't mean maybe he did this, maybe he didn't. But it is probably here something of a challenge for us. Where are you going 
What are you going to say if God does it like this, which he does to show his wrath? God's wrath is not an uncontrolled raging anger. It is the righteous indignation against everything that offends his holiness. What if God is willing to show his wrath to make his power known with Pharaoh in mind here, going back up to verses 16 and 17, endures with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Well, there are four things in these verses we need to understand. One, God shows his wrath through one of the vessels. Through the vessels of wrath, he manifests his wrath. How does he do this? Well, their lives, their nations, their families, God says, I'm angry with their sin. I don't like this like he did with Pharaoh. This is not pleasing to me, he says. So, my friends, we ought to be in the least bit envious of the wicked. Should we not? We ought not walk in the way of the ungodly or sit in the seat of the scornful or try to find out what unbelievers are doing Because we know God is manifesting his wrath through them. But even more, to make this power known, because these vessels of wrath, the part of the lump, excuse me, that God has ordained to everlasting destruction, God makes his power known through them. Now we, I know, would like it to be something of a fairy tale here in the United States today. You know, let's have the life of glory. Let's have another great manifest destiny and all these other lies that have been infiltrated into Christian history books. But we need to understand the things that God does in the unbelieving world and in unbelieving nations. We are pulling out our hair and saying, oh no, what are they doing? And why are they doing this? And then why is God letting them do this? Well, here in our text, we are told one of the reasons. God lets the wicked be raised up like he did Pharaoh so that he can crush them and reveal his power. Oh, you think you have education without me? Okay, enjoy your common core. Feast on ignorance masquerading as education. Do you think you can fix poverty with printing presses? Oh, yes, spend trillions, spend 6,000 years of world GDP trying to fight poverty. To do what? So that we can buy cars and expensive boats and vacations only to make men more miserable at the end than they were at the beginning. And then poverty in the black community is still far worse than it was in the Old South and certainly in the 1940s through the 1960s. God says you want to try and live in my world without recognizing me, you're going to lose. That is what God does sometimes. That's what we hear on the news. That's how we should read the current events and the websites today. This is what we should read. God is revealing his power in the vessels of wrath. He is showing them. You cannot live in this world without bowing to me. And have it go very well for you. I will bring you down. 
I am going to crush you. Now, we need to be real clear because there is a third thing in this verse that needs to be understood. He endures them with much long suffering. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.